Welcome to the Daily Boogie. And welcome everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. Oh, we're going to have some fun tonight. You should see some of the things on my rundown. It's enough to get you banned. But then again, what isn't enough to get you banned these days? Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you here once again, hopefully for the next hour or so. I am Boogie Bumper. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. Why isn't my chat box working? Why isn't my chat bot working? (laughs) I can get that one up, but that's ugly. I want my proper chat box. Oh, well. I mean, I had it working a few seconds ago. How about if we do this? We're off to a flying start here on the show. Professional as always. Nothing to see here, folks. The studio is not burning to the ground. That'll do. We'll have to settle with that one for now. Unfortunately. Till my one decides to come back. Whether or not it does. (laughs) Who's to say? But thanks so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again on a Wednesday night. Hope you've had a lovely day. I certainly have... I've got lots of stuff to get through and one piece that I've been looking forward to over the last couple of days that I haven't had a chance to get to yet and it's just been sitting there waiting on my desktop. One of those ones where I haven't actually pre-watched it, I don't know anything about it, but the title alone was like, oh, we have to watch this together. I absolutely must share in the joy that's no doubt going to be joyful when we watch this together. Hopefully you guys are interested in tourism and travel. Perhaps the road less travelled. <laughs> Might be less travelled for a reason, who's to say? But we're going to find out with our first article today. Well, our first video today. Um, just a reminder, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to take me on a trip to see the rains down in Africa then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Um, I just want to be straight up with you before we get too far into the show. Let you know what's going on because this show's always been open source. So I just want to let you fill you in on what's happening in Bumperland. I might have to... I might have to wind back this little operation instead of going four days away. Hey, there you go. This. There's a chat from YouTube. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Pinochet. I might have to wind this operation back from 
four days a week to three. And there's a few reasons why that might be the case. So let me just explain it to you before everybody starts going off on me. Um, I do, at the moment, I do six shows a week and sometimes seven. So there's the four of these, the Daily Boogie. I do Trust and Verify on a Sunday night with my Hawaiian, flying Hawaiian comrade, lover boy James R. Lover boy. That's a Sunday night. On Wednesday morning, I do the starting block with Greeno, which is pretty much just nonsense for an hour. And every now and then, uh, The Common Discourse, which is a podcast I've been involved with. You know, I've been an equal share in for the last few years with two other guys. Um, but we find it difficult sometimes to find the time to get together. So <laughs> as long as the migrants stay out of my suitcase. Okay. So um, it doesn't leave much time. I still work full time. I still work full time. So we're really close to launching a new website for the Common Discourse. And uh, before I started live streaming, I used to write a lot more and I haven't really been able to write anything because like I said, I, there, there just isn't much time. So I'd like to, you know, start writing again. I used to be pretty prolific writing little articles and stuff. So I'd like to get back into that when the new website is up and running. Um, a lot of people come to me and say things like, you should make short YouTube clips instead of just putting out, you know, one and two hour live streams, make short five, 10 minute YouTubes. So that's something I would like to do as well. Um, you know, I'd like to do this full time, but, um, you know, I, I want to thank the Patreon supporters because with your help, that, that gives me actually like three or four hours every single week that I don't have to be doing my day job and I can do more, spend more time on this. So thank you so much for that. But in terms of doing it full time, I'm a long way off that. <laughs> a long way. So whether that means, you know, doing longer shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, as opposed to trying to stick to around an hour, that might be the case. But I think it's, and maybe that means we do the free-for-all, because we haven't done one for a while, but do the free-for-all on Wednesdays instead of Thursdays. That might be the go. And then I can have more time to write some stuff, uh, make shorter YouTube clips. I've also got other things. Um, I've been approached recently by a couple of people who want me to do um, work in audiobooks. So do reading in audiobooks, and that's paid work. So I'd like to pursue that. But again, um, I, I'm not complaining because I love being busy. I'm a busy person. So if I'm not doing something, I get really agitated and bored very quickly. So I like having a lot of stuff on my plate. But with working full time and all the other stuff, um, time management becomes an issue. So I might have to, for the, for the foreseeable future anyway, uh, wind it back to three days a week doing this. And then I can continue all of my other stuff. All of the other shows that I'm on like herpes so i hope you understand at this stage um i am doing the free-for-all tomorrow night 11 p.m and i'll put a tweet out during the day to ask for your you know the clips and articles that you want to you want to review you want to go over you want us to shred uh we'll take your calls if you want to get on the show tonight i see i see nova moons in the waiting room so we'll get nova moon on as soon as i'm finished with this little rant if you'd like to get on the show tonight, just join the Discord server, jump in the waiting room, and we'll drag you right on. 
And we'll do that again tomorrow night as well. So I'll, you guys are great. Thanks for that. Thanks for understanding. Like I said, I'd like to do it more. I'd like to do more of this. Um, but at this stage, you know, if I dedicate my life full time to doing this stuff, creating content and writing and live streaming, then I'll be out on the street. It'll be all man on the street videos from here on out. <laughs> Homeless man interviews people with job. That would be my new YouTube channel. I'll be using only McDonald's Wi-Fi to upload the clips and I'll be sleeping in a doorway somewhere next to people who have money. So <laughs> unfortunately, that's the foreseeable future. Hey, there we go. We've got the chat back. Fantastic. See, isn't that so much nicer? Well, I, like I said, I think I'm going to dedicate more time to doing this. So if I go back to three days a week, I'll do longer shows. And then on the extra day off that I have, I'll be able to write a couple of articles, pump out a couple of articles to release through the week on the new website. I'll be able to make shorter YouTube clips that people want because they want to be able to share something that isn't two hours, which I understand completely. And I appreciate that. So I'll be able to do a whole bunch of them and, you know, use my time more wisely. Because I'd love to just, like I said, I'd love to just talk for two, three hours a day and talk to you and laugh and, sh you know, laugh at these articles and stuff. But I think the market for a shadowy foreigner who talks funny, who laughs at the American media is probably a lot more narrow than most people suspect. <laughs> but we'll do our best. And thanks so much for understanding. Like I said, I just wanted to be straight up and down with you and let you know what was going on over here in Boogie Land. Um, Nova Moon is in the Discord. He's in the chat room. Hello there, Nova Moon. Hello. Hello there, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, you know, I, I first of all, I wanted to see if this was going to work. And... You know, I've got a delay on um, YouTube, ah. so uh, I'm not really seeing that I'm on yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you're definitely on. We're definitely talking to you. Okay. There is a delay, yeah. So, yeah. It's like a 10-second on I'm, my end, and then once it goes through, yeah. I think it ends up being I'm sure about 20 seconds. Like a, a delay, so yep. um, I'm not feeding back or anything, right? No, you're perfect. You sound really good. Okay, good. So what's... Well, What's on your mind? Like I said, I wanted to, well, I wanted to see if it worked. It does work, which mm -hmm. is great. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to come on and thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, no, you don't have you to. Don't thank me. You thank have, you. Thank you for you listening. You have fun doing it. And, um, but it's a lot of work. I, I realize what you guys do. Um, with a full-time job, I've got a full-time job and I'm just thinking, how would I get a lot of this information if you guys weren't out there putting in the effort and the work that you do? Well, uh, obviously, you know, I can sense it's a, a touch of cynicism in your voice. Are you not... Um, are you not satisfied with your corporate media options, the CNNs, the MSNBCs, the Fox Newses? Are they not tickling your pickle, so to speak? Um, 
I mean, surely, surely, <laughs> surely the work that they do. I mean, I'm, I do what I can, and thank you for your kind words, but I can't hold a candle to, say, a Brian Stelter or a Don Lemon. I mean, these guys are at the top of their game. These are the, these are the LeBron Jameses of information. Just unbeatable, right? Am I wrong? Or? No, I, <laughs> yeah. Oh. The LeBron James. Yeah. Don Lemon is the but, LeBron James of CNN. But but seriously, you know, uh, there's so many people out there, and, you know, I want to put a shout out to the TAB room, all my friends at uh, Telegram. Uh, you know, we can get together and talk about stuff, but, uh, you know, you and James are, and... You know, James working with the Ladies of Liberty and just getting getting the info out and, you know, verifying the information. It, it's super important. I appreciate that. Like, I try to I try to bring a little fun as well. You know, try to I see, you know, I, I, it's not always funny, but I try to at least have a, a little bit of fun because I see a lot of people get really angry all the time. And I think, you know, what's the best antidote for that? And surely it's taking something that we're supposed to be angry at, you know, the deception, the lies, the gaslighting, and finding a way to laugh at it instead of say, oh, fuck these people. You know what I mean? I think that's generally a positive thing. So, but, uh, you know, James and uh, Chris has some wonderful guests on his show as well. It's really interesting stuff that you you, you wouldn't find on, on mainstream press. And James, I think, is in my opinion, and I'm not just saying that, saying this because I work with him, uh, in my opinion, he's the absolute best at taking, you know, a whole day's worth of stuff and boiling it down to 10 minutes and just hitting you between the eyes. Oh. Nobody's better than him. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you, he, I kind of look him, look at him as a professor, you know, you know, that I get to get this knowledge for free. Now, granted, I wish that my situation was different and I could, you know, help you guys out more. No, no, no. Um, it's not about that. It's not about that. We'd be doing it anyway. We'd be doing it anyway. I, you know I, I mean? realize that. Yeah. But uh, I, I just appreciate know, I, I, I appreciate people just joining in, you know, joining in, um, joining in the chat, enjoying the show. That's that's good enough for me. Um, I, I never used to take any donations, but. I had a few people get angry at me because they wanted to donate to me and I refused. And I said, well, you know, I'm not really comfortable just taking money in PayPal and stuff. So how about I set up a Patreon? And they're like, great. And these were the people who donated first up. So, you know, and I appreciate that. But yeah, you, you nobody should ever feel like they're obliged to um, donate ever, never, ever. And, you know, well, if, if I think everyone is, has something to offer. Yeah, but you, you, know, you know you can offer you can offer just by joining in the chat, and you know enjoying the show. That's exactly. that's enough, right? You know, share it on Twitter. Yes, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. No, I listen. I don't want to take up too much of the show, um, but if you have any questions for me, I do live in Minneapolis. Oh, oh, I see. So the housing. Have you been across the housing for? For people who aren't aware, we did this on Trust and Verify on Sunday night. Uh, 
If if you're not familiar with the term Agenda 2030 or its previous incarnation, Agenda 21, get familiar. A big part of Agenda 2030 is sustainable housing. Um, it comes from the UN. And as you know, the UN is populated with a whole slew of pseudo-socialist slash uber-capitalist, you'll be pleased to know. Yes, capitalism for them, socialism for us. And they want to make sure that populations in the future are squeezed into ever, ever denser, you know, ever more densely populated urban centres. They want to lock up rural areas where humans shall not tread because the natural earth needs to be protected. And they have a number of ways of doing this. Instead of, you know, instead of putting a gun in your back, one of, and marching you into a city, they want to make it just by through taxation and regulation, all of the things that bureaucrats can do outside of government, but within the government system. Regulations and taxation to make it unlivable for people on the farms and in the rural areas. And in one in Minneapolis, the way they're doing this is by changing the zoning so single family dwellings will no longer be essentially legal. <laughs> a single-family housing zone will become a thing of the past to be replaced with shoeboxes for people to sleep in. So um, have you been across any of this or have I got anything wrong in that since you are in Minneapolis? Have I have I got the wrong read on that? No, I mean, there is some background that, you know, people need to uh, understand. I think there's been a lot of... Uh, kind of disinformation about this area and what's going on. And I've lived here um, my whole adult life. Um, I'm actually, very sorry to hear that. Our fam yes, our family moved here um, in 1966. Wow. So um, I'm very familiar of what has happened throughout, you know, my history here. But I don't want to go in too much about that, but let me just say that I had a choice to buy a house in this area 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I decided to do Minneapolis because of it had a lot of things to offer as far as amenities. We have, um, in it, like in the city proper, there are lakes clean enough that you can swim in. It's a it's a beautiful area. There's parks everywhere. But saying that, you're right. In the last 10 years, people of like mind thinking, which are Democrats, they move in to where the tall buildings are. Mm -hmm. They surround the tall buildings. And you've used this word before, the salon. Mm -hmm. So they live in this bubble in this area. And they completely take it over. Now, you get 15 miles out of the city, and you have conservative people everywhere. Sure. But, but now they can't compete because there's a million of like-minded thinking people that oh, they just agree with each other completely. Mm. So I, I, I understand what P 
people are, you know, this article was saying that they want to control everything. And I'll give you a good example. I, you know, I do have some conservative friends that live in the city and they wake up one morning and they get in their car, they turn the corner and the whole road is a bike lane. Well, we have that they in did Sydney. it overnight. Yeah, they made a they made a lane for bicyclists on a high traffic area mm-hmm. in the city mm-hmm. overnight. I can and I understand your frustration. Now, we have the same thing here, and and the most annoying part is when the bike lane is there and they use the road anyway. And it goes, oh, we don't like the bike lane. And so, well, what the hell did we just spend thirteen million dollars on it for then? Well, we have two seasons here. We have construction season and winter. Yep. So there's no bicyclists for nine months out of the year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now you have these cars just sitting in traffic and, and they see this lane, lane next to them yeah. and there's nothing there. <laughs> Isn't it funny though, these... I, I tell you, I'll tell you why that happens. That's also that also comes down from Agenda Twenty One, Agenda Agenda Twenty Thirty, and you might not believe me, but this is the way it works. Local, it starts at local government level, so the equivalent of our, you know, local city councils, right? Um, they get these sustainability handbooks, and they are essentially pitted against each other for who can be the most green, and they are awarded certain, you know faux awards by the UN, you know, the most green council, the most green district. And the people who work at these councils and, you know, these uh, local districts, they get to go on junkets to Switzerland and talk about how wonderful it is that we're taking cars off the road, how wonderful it is that we're bringing in more bicycles, right? And so this, and it filters up from local government. If you go down to your local council and look at some of the paperwork, listen to some of the things they discuss in their council meetings, they will be talking about sustainability, uh, sustainable housing, how we can get more cars off the road, right? And I think the, the tragedy here is most people only focus on what happens at a federal level, but this starts in your backyard. And next thing you know, like you said, you moved into, your family moved into Minneapolis in the 60s. In in the in the course of you know a ten year period, all of a sudden you can't recognise your own city anymore, because these councillors are working away, um, under the radar, trying to discover new and wonderful and exciting ways to fuck your day, and to do so in order to appeal to some kind of UN handbook, so they can get that ticket to that junket and get the pats on the back. Like it, it really is that shallow. Well, I, I agree, but also there's a financial um, element to this. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're always they're easy. getting kickbacks with you know whoever is painting the lanes and putting up these little posts so you can't drive in that area. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, there is this one. And I'll give you another great example. I know this guy that owns a trucking company, and um, I've known him for years. And there is a road that goes through an industrial park. That's where his trucking company is. 
and it dead ends into a, um, a freeway. So you drive down and UPS, you know, has housing down there. They have all their warehouses. So you have this industrial park area. And when you get to the end of the road, you have to get onto the freeway. There's no bridge going across because on the other side of the freeway is a golf course. So they put a bike lane in an industrial park area, which no one bikes in industrial parks. No. And now all the UPS drivers are just sitting, you know, one by one by one, trying to get onto the freeway because there's only one lane. There's not two. Mm. It's, it's mind-boggling, it's amazing. isn't it? Well, now, you... there's one other thing. One other thing I want to bring up before sure. I go, sure. go just ahead. so the audience can kind of understand what's going on, and I want to give you some background on this. So, after the Vietnam War, we all remember the boat people. Now, the boat people were sponsored by mostly Lutheran churches in this area. And they brought them in, they sponsored them. And actually it was really kind of a good thing because we have some great Vietnamese restaurants here now. Well, then after that, it always comes back the to monk. the food. Sorry, to, inter sorry oh, to interrupt, but it always comes back to the food, doesn't it? You know, yes. I, I was, I was saying for years, um, people who endorse rampant migration and multiculturalism at a government level, the one argument that they always have in their kit bag is, well, now we have fantastic restaurants. I'm not saying you're doing this, but, you know, this is what they always say. Forget about the troubles. Forget about uh, social cohesion issues and stuff like this. Forget about, um, you know, ethnic ghettos forming in various cities and people becoming more uh, fragmented, right? Forget about all that stuff because we have a fantastic new Chinese restaurant. We have a fantastic new Indian restaurant. And I always thought, well, number one, surely cookbooks can travel. You know, you don't need to actually physically bring the people from that country in order to make you a, you know, a bok choy or a chicken chow min. But, you know, more to the point, I said, you know, if these, if the rampant PC crowd ever turn on food, then that will be the end of multiculturalism. And it was a couple of years later where we started getting those articles. Do you remember the, the burrito van in Portland? that had to shut down because they weren't Mexican, so they're yeah. not allowed to... Sh I said, here we go. It's happening. It's happening. They're finally turning on food. White people can only eat white people food, which I think is like sheep intestines or something, and that's about it. So sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to throw that in there. Well, no, I, it, this is just some background history. So then uh, I think you remember that they had these um, uh, camps in Laos that the Hmong, they had to wait to get out of these areas. And well, they got sponsored. So then there was kind of a lull here where, you know, they had an, a lot of immigrants came in here, they were sponsored. And then the welfare system, you know, people around the country saw, well, gee, welfare in Minneapolis is really easy to get. Mm. Well, now we had a bunch of people from Chicago that came here. Oh, refugees. <laughs> refugees from refugees Chicago. Refugees from Chicago. It's well, understandable. Because it was so easy to get the free money. <laughs> and the latest one, which you know probably started about 15 years ago, was um, 
after Mogadishu and you know sure. Black Hawk down, um, they they started sponsoring all the Somalis that came in here, mm-hmm. and Obama brought even more here. For so which, we have a huge for which the community. church for which the church was receiving a government kickback as well. I'm not sure how many people are aware of that. But for every refugee oh, they were bringing in and giving shelter to, the government was paying them directly under Obama. And it's interesting, this area that it's by the university, it's called, I, I used to work in this area called Seven Corners. And Seven Corners come in this certain area and it was like a really cool place to hang out. They had like theater and restaurants and stuff. Well, now it's like little Mogadishu, and mm. in years past, it was a Swedish community, right? Where all the poor Swedes lived in that area. <laughs> well, to know, be fair, back in the to 20s. be fair, a Swedish community now, um, probably close to little Mogadishu, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> depending on where you're from. I mean, Malmo, for example, right? Yeah. So I just wanted to give the audience a little background history. On sure. Um, no, I appreciate that. It, it's bad here, mm-hmm. but it's not a horrible place to live. No. Um, a lot of people do move out into the surrounding area yep. because then they can, you know, pick and choose when they want to come into the city. So. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, like there's other factors because I'll often get hit by um, people on the left, which is fine. But they'll say, well, it's it's not all about race. And they're right. Um, there's also other factors like the changing nature of employment. So more people work in offices now than they used to in the 1950s. Um, and offices are in city centres, the economic centres. People want to live close to the economic centres, right? So they want to have a less of a commute to work. And that gets people with certain edu- certain types of education who work in certain kinds of roles and certain kinds of sectors. That gets them all uh, grouping together in city centres, right? So there's, there's things like that that make sense. Now, uh, it's not the be-all and end-all. And, you know, you say uh, little parts look like more like Mogadishu now than they used to look before. Um, that's For anybody who's listening, that's not racism. It's not racism to identify something with your own eyes. And something that the Democrats in America and the left here and in other Western nations have got completely wrong is they don't respect... Um, people's right to say that they are not that they don't respect people's right to raise concerns with how their community that they've been living in for you know two three hundred four hundred years in some cases has changed and is now unrecognizable and i think people have every right to express that concern like say hey i if i wanted to live in mogadishu i would move to mogadishu i want to live you know in my town and now my town is changing and I'm being told that I have no right to say that I don't like it because that makes me an evil person. And that's the wrong way to approach it. And that's what the left gets wrong. Right? They should do better to make it known, but I think they're incapable of it. But I, I appreciate you coming on, uh, Nova Moon. Thanks for joining us. Before I go, I'm going to give you one more secret why this is an area that attracts a lot of people. Sure. Okay, so... When I was younger, I would talk to old timers and you have to understand that Minneapolis and St. Paul is the largest city in like a five state area. So if you are an attractive young woman, 
that has something to offer. Thank you for noticing. You do not want to, you do not want to live in like Rochester, even though the Mayo Clinic's there. You don't want to live in Mankato, uh, Owatonna, Brainerd. So you, they all move to the city. The numbers here, it's always been 10 women to one guy here. Wow. And the ratio even got higher because we're a very gay-friendly city. So now all the gays moved in here. If you excuse so, me just for a moment, I'm going to book my ticket right now. 10 women to one man, you say? <laughs> Holy cow. Yes, How the women are be beautiful there? here, and there's so many single women. There's just... <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> Nova Moon, I think, works for the Minneapolis Tourism Board, or at least the Minneapolis <laughs> the Minneapolis Swingers Association, perhaps. I mean, James would love to hang out here for a week. <laughs> I bet he would. I bet he would. <laughs> well, thank thanks for calling right. in. Thanks for calling in, you Nova bet. Moon. I appreciate it. All right. Do do call in again in the future. I will. Okay. Thank you, mate. There he goes. Nova Moon. We've got someone else in the waiting room. We may as well hit it while it's hot. I believe we've got Renee waiting on the line. Are you there, Renee? Oh, she's just jumped out. Maybe she's not ready. We'll go back to Renee later on if she wants to have a chat. Oh, there she is. She's ready to go. Are you there? Hello there. Hello there. We hear noise. <laughs> and she's gone again. That's that's all right. Well, thanks, Nova. I, I really like it when you guys call in and tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from and your experience. And I hope you guys enjoy that too. Uh, we'll try Renee one more time and see if she... Doesn't want to be shy. And if not, we'll go to our first piece here for the night. That is a no. Are you there? I have no idea. Hello, I can hear you. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> RPF5, right? <laughs> RPF5. Is, is this Renee yeah. that I'm talking to? Is that your name? I think so. Okay. I'm getting weird feedback. Weird feedback. Weird. Yeah, let me, let me, um, let me, how do I get off? Ah, uh, well, that's, that's something I'm not sure I can share on the air. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go to our first item here for the night. Thank you for sticking around. We'll try to check in with Renee a little bit later. I did have that article. I'll, I'll save that article for tomorrow. This is the video that I wanted to get through for a couple of days. You are absolutely going to love this, I'm sure. It comes from the good people at Vice News. And if you look at this headline, how can you not be intrigued? Yes, the waiting room is in Discord, Ducks Regionus. If anyone wants to jump in, uh, just head into the Discord, jump in the waiting room, and we'll see you there. We'll drag you on the show. Why white European tourists are visiting South African slums. <laughs> Surely my eyes deceive me. The booming... like. The South African Tourism Board, to be fair, has been fighting an uphill battle, I think, in the PR war for the last few years, understandably. There have been some reports circulating lately of late that 
would indicate that perhaps the South African slums are not the best place for white European tourists to visit. (laughs) But apparently, the slum tourism industry is going gangbusters. So I thought we'd have a little look here and see what all the fuss is about. Let's go. Cape Town is one of South Africa's biggest tourist destinations. And there's a lot to do here. But if you get tired of the hiking, the wine tasting, and the beach resorts, you can go see a slum. <laughs> like I said, I haven't pre-watched this. <laughs> if I, I, I can't imagine, I can't foresee any kind of situation where I would get sick of just one of the wine tasting. It's like, no, I'm just going to stay here at the vineyard for the next two and a half weeks, please, if possible. Uh, Can you make sure that there's armed security at the door, though, please? Is that too much to ask? You can can forget about the mint on the pillow. Just make sure there is a burly man with a firearm at the door at all times. And we'll be sweet. But imagine if you did get sick of all of these things. (laughs) Honey, what do you want to do today? It's It's our last couple of days in Cape Town. What would you like to do? Would you like to go hiking? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not too concerned with the hiking. How about um, some wine tasting down at the vineyard? I hear, I hear the rosé here is just galactic, out of this world. No, no. Uh, you know what? How about we go and visit the slums? Well, that sounds wonderful. That sounds wonderful, darling. Kids, put your shoes on. <laughs> We're gonna go visit the slums. Yay! <laughs> Fuck Disneyland. Fuck Disneyland, they'd be saying. Let's go slumming. Exactly. Just a house was built long time ago, my friend, as you see. It's more developed. It's where the apartheid guys come and settle It's a slum tour guide. <laughs> now, if you look over here down this alleyway, my friend, you'll see a young man selling cocaine. <laughs> yeah. So you're talking about this is where the apartheid government here So white people. White people. Mzulim Benny meets his tourist clients, mostly Europeans. Mostly in Europeans. Upscale Cape Town Mall. Ten minutes later, they're in a slum. We <laughs> are just walking through somebody's neighborhood right yes. here. Don't forget to bring your camera. That pile of garbage, the memories will live on forever. These townships are directly connected to the history of apartheid. Wow. The government forced non- and if you look to your left, you will see the river that flows through the middle of the slum where the locals urinate and defecate on a daily... Oh, look, everybody, quick, look. Now, don't be too loud because you might startle him. Uh, you can see there a young man perched over the side of the river. And look, look, he's taking a crap right now. And the white tourists would be like, I'm from San Francisco. I've seen all this before. Absolutely. We have we have street shitters where I'm from too. Oh, really? Isn't that wonderful? White people out of the cities and into ghettos. We're just walking into people's houses. Today, South Africa is still extremely segregated, and more than 50% of the population lives below the poverty line. The brochures for township tours like Mzoo's advertise this as a way to see the real South Africa. I mean... These people are in there with their expensive clothes, their their expensive cameras. They're taking photos of the squalor that these people live in. 
Now, obviously, I don't want people to live in squalor. I wish that wasn't the case, but unfortunately, in this part of Cape Town, it does appear to be the case that people are living in squalor. And if they can make a few bucks by, um, you know, reaching into the pockets of wealthy Europeans, then so be it. Good on them, as far as I'm concerned. If they can turn a dollar turning this into a tourist destination, then fucking bravo. Like, these people should be working at NASA. These people should be working for the, the biggest advertising agencies in the world if they can attract tourism to the slums of Cape Town. Right? But is this not the absolute height of white privilege, if there is such a thing? If there is such a thing as white privilege, wouldn't it be holidaying in the slums where people of colour live? Strolling through the slums where somebody lives, taking photos? Oh my, look at this, isn't this? Yet these are the people that would think of themselves as, you know, tolerant, uh, cultural, we're very understanding of other people, right? Yet here they are with their bags of money strolling through the dilapidated slums of Cape Town taking photos of the locals. Wouldn't that be the height of, you know, arrogance and white privilege and all of those things that people like to bandy about these days? Just a thought. Just a thought. I mean, I'm only here for a holiday. You have to spend the rest of your fucking life here, right? Africa. And they bring multiple groups of foreigners here every day. This whereby we call Smiley. We call Smiley. Smiley? Yeah, Smiley. The way we call Smiley because if you put in the fire, the mashes stinks. <laughs> so... We also offer some wonderful cuisine options here on our tour of the slums in Cape Town. Uh, if you'll if you'll note your tour guide here describing uh, today's offering, Roadkill, which we call Smiley because the muscle shrinks when you throw it in the fire. This sounds delightful, honey, doesn't it? I'm so glad I skipped breakfast, dear. The muscles. You're welcome to have a seat, guys. Can, can I get one that's covered in blowflies? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely you can. Can I get some roadkill that has the maggots crawling out of its anus? Yes. We offer uh, we offer a bevy of options here at the Roadside Cafe. Welcome to have a seat, guys. You're welcome to have a seat, guys. Have a seat. You bring us white people? Over here, guys, we have this house here. This house here Why are you is bringing, Shibin. Why are you bringing us white people? <laughs> a valid question from the wise old girl. The wise old girl in her slum household. What, what is this? Why are there white people here? Why are you bringing me white people? <laughs> I couldn't agree with her more. The Shibin is informal bar. An informal bar. If there's a newborn child in the family, we brew the traditional beer to welcome the child to the ancestors. <laughs> to prepare this beer, take wow. about three days. Isn't it fantastic? Wealthy Europeans paying top dollar to drink prison hooch in the slums of Cape Town. Like I said, these people are geniuses. This is the greatest PR advertising campaign of all time, surely.
How is it going? How is yeah. it going? It's good. <laughs> Before you take tourists into people's houses, I'm guessing you're asking them, hey, is it okay if I take no, people to their house? You don't ask. Don't he ask. doesn't ask. I don't ask. I just go to any house that they allow it. This guy takes the this guy takes the white people's money. He he escorts the white people around the slum, and then he just invites himself into the houses of the locals. <laughs> do you do you ask the local people before you take the white people? In? No, no, I don't ask. No, I just go in. They they like me. <laughs> no wonder the lady was confused. Are you bringing white people in here? What the hell is going on? I just I just walk in. They don't care. They live in a slum. How bad can it be? <laughs> when all these tourists come through here, come through Langa, come through your neighborhood, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, feel, I feel right, so, because they contribute to us, you see. They donate to the library, but they take pictures without us, without permission of us. We are not animals, we are the human beings. Yeah, see, see so. that's, that's the point. That's what I was getting at. You want to you want to you want to um, wax lyrical about white privilege and how awful it is, and then you know every every second video on Vice is about how awful and racist you know the West is, and how awful and racist conservatives are, how awful and racist Christians are, and so on and so on and so on and so on, and then they themselves engage in poverty porn, going around taking photos of poor people who live in slums and think that it's a good thing. And this kid ain't dumb. They take our photos without permission. We're not animals. We are human beings. But it's it's a it's a it's a holiday for them. Imagine what it would be like to live like these people. Oh, it's so cultured. Fuck you. You arrogant, entitled ass. Walking around the slums taking photos of poor people to take back to your upper middle class lifestyle in Western Europe. You, you disgusting piece of shit. Who the hell do you think you are, right? Don't, don't allow these people to take a moral high ground on you. This is trash. This is entitled poverty porn. Being pushed by the likes of Vice Media, who every other day will tell you how horrible and racist and unempathetic you are. Mzoo employs six people in the townships. And then over here, there's a lovely activity. He always stops by local gift shops and encourages people to buy things. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And some tourists also donate money. But most of the roughly half a million residents of the townships he visits on these tours are just part of the scenery. Part of the scenery. Part of the scenery. Wow. Good question in the chat from Mistrix. Is this supposed to make whites feel better about themselves? I don't know what it does. But it certainly doesn't um, make me think, oh, what wonderful people. Walking around gawking at people in their homes. Like, just uninvited. Like the guy said, no, I just walk in with the tourists. They let me. So imagine living here in this place, in this horrible place. No hope. Destitute scratching together what little you can from day to day 
and then having to put up with, again, entitled, arrogant white tourists strolling around, taking photographs, pretending to sympathize with you. Elitist tourism, great term. Great way to put it. And you know, I'm not trying to be moral one up here. Again, like I said, if they can make money taking money, if they can make a living taking dollars off these, you know, pathetic people, then fucking good luck to them. Good luck to them. If they can make money off these idiots, then so, like, I'm happy for that to happen. Absolutely. But it's just the the whole point of you you want to you want to get up on a podium and talk about who's a good person and who's a bad person and you have such a lack of self-reflection advice that you would think that this this is the right way to go about it <laughs> incredible <laughs> question in the chat for kevin is it really that hard to pick up a broom I'm sure this doesn't feed the anger that fuels the farm murders. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we've got another caller on the line. Let's see how we go here. Let's see if he's turned his audio down from last time. Are you there, Steph? Yeah, you got me. I've got you. And no echo this time. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I got my in-ears in. Oh, man. What do you Your think? Last, are you looking forward? So many ideas. Are you looking forward <laughs> to? Are you looking forward, Steph, to visiting the slums of Cape Town? Take the kids, take the I wife. Was, well, I was actually looking forward to visiting the slums of Minneapolis. With ah, <laughs> well, you can you can you can compare the two. You can do a slum you know, world tour. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. White Isn't privilege, wonder, right? Wonderful. Uh, the female, the female version yes. of the slum world of Minneapolis. Hmm. And as far as Cape Town, I was thinking maybe uh, uh, just CNN and maybe National Geographic undercover journalists. Right. That's that's who the tourists are. <laughs> well, that this is true. Let's go. Let's go spread our white privilege, man. Yeah, spread your They'll white be, privilege. Those ladies will be privileged. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you know, I think wouldn't the children thank you for this experience walking around the slums of Cape Town and Minneapolis? I mean, it's ro- it's well, a romantic getaway for the wife. You know, are everybody's my children or what? Everybody's catered. We're talking to. future or what? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you enjoy a a bucket of home brewed slum prison hooch to go with your uh, deep fried roadkill? Wouldn't that doesn't that just sound delicious? Oh, sounds amazing, doesn't it? Dude, delicacy. Delicacy. That's I mean, fine dining, right? There. People people want to talk about multiculturalism and food, but you can keep your fancy restaurants. You know, I don't need a dodgy vindaloo from some three Michelin-starred Indian place in the city when I can have uh, freshly maggoted roadkill and a bucket of prison hooch. I mean, that's that's culture. <laughs> that's culture. You can keep well, your hey, fancy, you know, we could, we fancy dishes. Drive a truck here and well, find yeah. nine, man. Yes. Pick and choose. Sounds fantastic. So what's on your mind, Steph? What can we do you for? Well, basically that. I just wanted to call. <laughs> that was too funny. I couldn't help myself. Well, uh, but I was thinking, is the U.S. using that as a business model? Because <laughs> not just Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, Chicago, San Francisco, Minneapolis. Mm. Uh, are they using that slum town? Some, they, 
see, that's the beauty of capitalism. You see a good idea, feel it. Yes, that's true. That's true. So you think we could perhaps have a, a number of slum-themed, say, resorts in the U.S.? Oh, well, I believe they're already in progress. Well, that's You know, they, they see Trump, master builder, right? Yes. They hate him. Yes. And so they take his idea and they steal it. Yes. For so let's, let's bulldoze the golf courses, right? Let's, let's bulldoze the resorts in Florida, for example. And replace yeah, take, it. Uh, we'll replace it with a pile of shipping containers. It we'll replace multi. it. With, that's right. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll replace See, we're it. We're both. We're on the same page. Fantastic! I think it's a million dollar idea. A million dollar idea. Oh, of course, of really? course. Though we'll have to import the South Africans from the slums in Cape Town just to make it, just to give it that little bit extra, uh, you know, that realistic effect. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's like props, right? Absolutely. Props in a movie scene. Absolutely. <laughs> and wouldn't it be a wonderful opportunity for the people of South Africa? No, you'll still be in a slum, but outside the slum will be much nicer. Oh, how could they resist? Yes. How could they yeah. resist? 10, 15 miles. Yeah. <laughs> that's then, you, that's then your you zone. Then you with the Aborigines and the country boys. Yeah, well, yeah, that's <laughs> a different level Depending on what, what, what uh, area you're in. That's right. You know. Well, thank you. Thank you for so, calling in, Steph. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your yeah. white privilege with us and tremendous ideas. You know, Hopefully someone's listening. <laughs> so hopefully someone's listening. All right, mate. Thanks for joining Cheers. us, Steph. Bye. Cheers. There he goes. Steph and Cheers, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, if you're out there, if you're listening out there, if you are a resort mogul, then this is potentially a billion-dollar idea just waiting right under your nose. And if it is right under your nose, then you can't possibly miss it because the smell of fresh roadkill, prison hooch, and feces will no doubt just – it just smells like money if you know what you're looking for. Serenading. A little bit of serenading on the way to the slums. It's, it's reminiscent, isn't it, of the singing uh, boat drivers in Venice. Is it Venice? Yeah, Venice. is Venice the one with the water everywhere? God, I'm obviously a very cultured individual. Um, yeah, this is the boat guy steering you around the waterways of the city, singing romantic songs. You can have a very similar effect in a four-wheel drive on your way to a South African slum. Just set the mood. Township tours. Look at these people. <laughs> It doesn't it doesn't look like they're enjoying themselves so to speak. It doesn't it doesn't look like they're excited to be going where they're going. This almost looks like they have been kidnapped, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean would a smile kill you? Aren't you excited to be visiting the slums? A gondola. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Oh. Okay, guys, our next job is going to school. Yay. Cool beans. Cool bananas. <laughs> Zoo grew up in Kailicha Township. A four-wheel gondola. And he attended this school when he was a kid. And now it's a regular stop on his tours. Ah. Oh, yeah, Baba. Actually, to be fair to the South Africans, it looks 
from that image there, it looks less like a prison than uh, new American schools, doesn't it? Oyabapa! Oyabapa! Okay, guys, you can sit anywhere you like. I can take a lovely picture with them as well. Wonderful. Look, honey, we can shake, we can see a bunch of African children. I mean, again, do you have to travel to South Africa to have this kind of experience? I'm sure there are a number of black children in the school system of, say, Chicago who could use a little do-re-mi. Uh, here's an idea. If you want to if you want to inject a little money into the inner city areas of Chicago, why not start a gangland tourism company? See, now we're, now we're talking. Donald Trump is wasting all of this time and money with these, you know, industrialization opportunity zones when really we could empower the gang leaders of Chicago to start bringing in white people, taking them on tours of the ghetto. Maybe, a, you know, if you can pay a little extra, you can go on a real-life drug run. You can shoot at a police officer. Oh, look, look, honey, I hit him in the leg. Take a photo. You can go, you can go cruising around in a low rider or a black SUV. With uh, a suitcase, well, a few bags of cocaine or methamphetamine, uh, an Uzi next to you, loaded, of course, for realism. I mean, this would be a tremendous money spinner for the inner city areas of Chicago. Has has nobody considered this? Why isn't anybody talking about this? See this this show. This is this show is all about ideas. So you can take that take that idea, go out there, make yourself a fortune. Go legit. <laughs> I mean, really. They say cool bananas. Cool yeah. bananas. They say if you really want the show, if you're happy and you know. Yeah, you were in the in the big group of kids. It was so nice. Did you like it? Yes. Sir. <laughs> is that is that kind of what you you were hoping to be able to do? Is come and play with kids? Is that what you were hoping to do? My wealthy Swiss tourist who wants to dress like a poor hippie from San Francisco, is that what you were helping to do? Go into a room full of black children and kiss them like they are toys? Like they are teddy bears? Really? <laughs> Fucking, I don't know. I don't know. See, I don't know. Maybe I'm cynical. Maybe, I, maybe I'm the arsehole here. But I don't consider this to be like, you know, I don't, I don't consider this to be like a growing experience and showing love for the world and stuff. I think it's kind of fetishized. It's fetishizing poverty. And you know, like, it, for me, this is the height. If you, if these assholes want to slam down our throats constantly, the idea of white privilege and white entitlement and white white superiority, then nothing to me says white superiority and white people thinking that they're above everybody else than paying money to go halfway around the world and visit the slums where the poorest black people of the world live and go around hugging and kissing them and taking selfies with them and then going back to your life. That for me is like, I just think you're a disgusting person. Fetishizing the, you know, the po the poverty of these people for your own, for your own holiday album, for your own photo album. It's like, please. And you're the good guy here? Give me a fucking break.
It's it's like it's like driving past a car crash victim and instead of calling an ambulance, calling your friends up so you can Facebook live it. Oh my god, check it out. There's intestines all over the road. This is going straight to YouTube. Same thing. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So now you have a picture. Stay here and play with Just touch them. I just want to touch them. I just want to touch the little brown children. Isn't it kind of sick? Oh, yes, it was wonderful. It's wonderful. I got to stand in a room with the little brown children and touch them. <laughs> like it's like it's a fucking amusement park. No, these this is these children's lives. This is their life. This, these are their homes. This is not, you know, this is not a house of horrors that somebody has constructed for your photo album. This is not an amusement park. This is not a ride for you to go on. This is these people's lives. This is their reality. And you're just dipping your toe in the water, slumming it. Slumming it for a couple of hours. Oh, yeah, I just get to touch all the little brown children. It's wonderful. <laughs> Robin McWilliams in the chat. Maybe they wanted to buy one. Well, Angelina Jolie, I think, has pretty much cleaned out that market. She's taken all the top shelf. All the, all of the top shelf options. So now you're back to, um, you know, trade-ins and stuff like that. It's not very nice. There you have it. The good people at Vice, ladies and gentlemen, educating us on what it means to be a good person. Well, we've actually been going for over an hour and I've only done the one item. We had so much more to get through, but I guess I've got a whole show prep now for tomorrow. So. <laughs> I appreciate the people who called in, uh, Steph and Nova Moon. So maybe we'll do one more article here and then we'll we'll get the hell out of the way and we'll be back tomorrow and we'll do a longer show tomorrow for the free-for-all. And thanks so much for joining us, guys. Um, I will put a tweet out uh, early in the morning. So if you want to contribute an article or a video clip for us to go through, we'll do a bit of a marathon tomorrow night. We'll go overtime and, you know, to celebrate the last Thursday night show for the foreseeable future anyway. If you miss the start of the show, I'm going to have to wind back to, you know, just do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I can dedicate that extra day a week to getting some writing done, um, making short YouTube clips and doing some other things. So thanks so much for sticking with us. Let's do this. Let's do this article that Kat shared with me just before I went live. And I said, this is going straight into the rundown. Sex doll maker creates replicas of dead partners to combat loneliness. <laughs> just when you thought nothing would top the poverty porn of Vice going around taking photos of black people in slums in South Africa. Just when you thought we can't get any lower than this. Just when you thought I couldn't get any more cultured than I am right now. How about a replica of your dead vagina for you to cuddle up to at night? Doesn't that sound amazing? Sex doll maker creates replicas of dead partners to combat loneliness. I'm providing comfort. I'm doing a good thing. <laughs> Let's have a look here. Loneliness issues. Yes. Um, addressing loneliness, uh, possibly bereavement do you know what straight away straight off the bat addressing loneliness how are you less lonely by sitting with something that's not a human being uh, can some can anybody explain that to me 
How are you less lonely if you're cuddling a toy? <laughs> I mean, surely the way to address loneliness would be to interact and engage with other human beings, not replicas of human beings. Because you haven't added anybody to the mix. This is not a person. You haven't added anything to the equation here. <laughs> You're still alone. You realize, you understand that, don't you? Like, how many fingers am I holding up? Do you, un do you understand that this is not a person? <laughs> Are you well? Did you just get back from your South African tour? Oh, I'm addressing loneliness. No, you're not. You're, you're actually guaranteeing that these people are going to remain lonely because once word gets out that they live and sleep with a replica of their dead partner, nobody's going to want to talk to them. Hi, my name's Jim. Hi, Jim. Yeah, I'm just really looking to make some friends. Uh... It was very tragic. I lost my wife of 10 years uh, six months ago. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Should we take Jim out for a cup of coffee? You know, should we take play Jim, play a uh, round of golf with Jim, perhaps? Should we do that? You know, tell us how have you been coping, Jim? Well, it was pretty rough there for the first few months, but then I discovered a company who makes a sex doll replica of my dead wife, and that's actually really helped. So, do you want to get that coffee? Ah, actually, you know, just looking at the time, I've got a thing that I have to have to get to be at this thing. I'm not gonna. Well, maybe some other time. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Wow. Can you believe I nearly had to sit down and have coffee with a guy who had sex with a doll that's made to look like his dead wife? Jesus Christ! Bullet dodged. Bullet dodged. We're never coming back to this cafe ever again. <laughs> bye, bye, Jim. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Jim. Okay, see you now. Bye-bye. No, I, I, sorry, I, you can't call me. I don't have a telephone. So I tell you what, uh, why don't you just keep coming to this cafe and only this cafe, and then one day we'll probably bump into each other at some point. That's how we'll keep in touch. Okay, bye, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Okay, go home now. Go home now. Wow. What a freak. Yes. Uh, if you've lost a partner, have you had people who've come to you and said, I mean, essentially, the bottom line, will you make a doll of my dead partner? Yes, yeah, so I have actually had it. Loneliness is a massive <laughs> issue in the UK, and I think one of the most surprising... Fucking UK. <laughs> Britain, what the fuck are you doing? What the hell are you doing? Britain, this is your colony, Australia calling... Uh, Dad, 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 we have concerns. Dad, it's your son, Australia. I'm really worried about Australia, New Zealand, even Canada now. Even the fucking retarded brother Canada is now in on the conversation about what the hell are we going to do about Dad? I mean, some surely somebody needs to do something with Dad. Australia and New Zealand are like, we need to disown Dad immediately because Dad is a fucking Fruit Loop. Dad has some, Dad has some serious problems. Canada's like, no, can we get more? Maybe Dad just wants some more friends. Here, have some terrorists. Here, have some jihadis, Dad. They'll keep you company. Oh, sounds great, son. <laughs> and we're like, Canada, that's not going to help. Just fucking leave it alone, Canada. Who invited you anyway? Shouldn't you be, shouldn't you be carting a, a, a ship full of rubbish from the Philippines or something? What the hell are you doing here? You're not in this conversation. But Britain... 
This is your son, Australia. Uh, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's a big problem in Britain that people want to have sex with replicas of their dead partners. What the fuck are you doing? You used to you used to run the world. They used to say the sun never sets on the British Empire. <laughs> and now you're it's like now you're confined on this little island. The empire is no more. You're confined on this little island looking for ever increasingly weird and wonderful ways to make the rest of the world go, Jesus Christ, I didn't even think that was possible. <laughs> General Eaton in the chat. Dad, what the hell is that? Why, that's your mother, silly. Say hello to your mother. Hello, Australia. <laughs> Dad, mum's dead. No, I'm not. I'm right here. See, she's right here. I love you, son. Oh, my God. This is fucking... This is crazy, man. This is insane. Dad, what the hell are you doing? Don't talk to your father that way. Do, listen to your mother. <laughs> aspects of this industry for me has been that really it is not all seedy and sexual no. it really isn't no i have lots of no nah, there's nothing seedy at all about inserting your penis into a plastic replica of your dead partner there's nothing seedy about that there's nothing there's nothing seedy or weird or wrong with feeding your ejaculate into an inanimate object that is made to look like your dead wife there's nothing weird about that there's what the hell is everybody getting so upset about? I'm helping people deal with grief. I'm helping people deal with loneliness. There's nothing weird about that. Customers that genuinely come to me and, you know, they want a doll for comfort purposes only. And I think that is fantastic. That's I fantastic. think in that case, I've... <laughs> I think it's fantastic that these sickos are paying me all this money. <laughs> You know, people come to me all the time. People come to me all the time and say that they just want a doll for comfort purposes, and I think that's fantastic. I bet you do. These strange malnourished sickos coming up saying, "You yeah, just want to, just want to have. I just want something that I can have sex with. Can you make it look like her? Here, I'll give you a picture. Can you make it look like her?" <laughs> imagine, imagine if you were like had a coworker or something. And this, this co-worker has a barbecue at his house. And you're a young lady who works in the office. You already see where this is going, don't you? This is, this is going to happen. Mark my words. Save this episode. This is going to be a story in the next six months. I guarantee it. <laughs> a young lady works in an office. Um, one of the co-workers, he offers to hold a barbecue or some kind of drinks at his home, like an end-of-year celebration. She goes there. Everybody's having a great time. She excuses herself to use the bathroom. She walks into the wrong door and finds a sex doll made in her image. <laughs> this is going to happen. <laughs> and she's going to come down. She's going to freak the fuck out, first of all. And then she's going to come down and get the guy aside and say, what the hell is that in your bedroom? And he's going to say, what? There's no problem. What's the problem here? I mean, it's a good thing. It's helping me with my loneliness. I mean, you and the doll version, me and the doll version of you really get on really well. There's nothing weird or creepy about that. And then, then the best part is, 
they'll be forced to say, okay, if you make a sex doll replica of someone that's alive, that's that's going too far. The only replica that you are allowed to make ethically and morally is of a dead person. <laughs> that will happen. That will be the argument. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Making sex doll replicas of the women that you know in your life, at work, in your family or whatever, that is fucking creepy, man. Can't you just stick to dead people? (laughs) This is the world we live in. This is the world that we live in. Making sex doll replicas of dead people? Fine. Community service, helping people deal with loneliness. Making sex doll people uh, replicas of people that are still alive? Oh my god, you sick animal. <laughs> I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. I, I, I've, I've got a dozen other things that we could get to tonight, but time is of the essence. Let's do a marathon tomorrow at 11pm. Uh, Thursday night free-for-all. Keep an eye on my timeline for the tweet that I'll put out. If you want to contribute something, an article, a film clip, whatever, you got it. And we'll go over it. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for slumming it up here tonight on a Wednesday night. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, and thanks again to the supporters of the show, you know, your contribution, again, like I said, that's three or four hours a week that I don't have to work my day job so I can do more of this. And thanks to everyone for your understanding in, you know, when I explained in the start of the show why I'm going to have to pull this back to maybe three days a week. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to be doing anything on that extra day. We'll make some YouTube clips. I'll start writing some articles again. So thanks so much for your understanding. Uh, If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to make a sex doll replica of me then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper and then we never have to be apart and it's not weird or creepy at all. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Until tomorrow night, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. to Chicago to start a tour. You'd be mad if you didn't. Thanks, Ginger. Tomorrow night, 11pm, the free-for-all. It's been a while. Let's do it one more time. The boogie sex doll has a bag over its head. (laughs) Great comment. (laughs) Thank you, Periscope, YouTube, DLive, and Twitch. Until tomorrow night, 11pm. Have a great night, have a great day, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.